On this week's episode, Augustine Ariano. He would spend like an hour before every game, like playing the game in his mind before he went out on the field. That's like one of my favorite things about like, like, and you hear from other athletes as well, but it's like winning the game in your mind before you even step foot out there. Welcome to the Equestrian Connection podcast from WeHorse. My name's Danielle Kroll, and I'm your host. Augustine Ariano is the newly appointed operations manager at Reinhardt Polo, where he assists with the organization's goals to create a holistic future for the sport. Both Augustine and Reinhard Polo are dedicated to the long-term betterment of the sport by focusing on polo education, sponsoring youth polo programs, and most importantly, making polo more inclusive while also improving equine welfare. I'm so excited for you to tune into this episode with Augustine and learn how he's breaking barriers in the sport of polo, as well as being an equestrian entrepreneur and philanthropist. So let's dive in. Welcome to the Equestrian Connection podcast, Augustine. We're so happy to have you here. Thanks, Danielle. I'm excited to be here. So I personally don't know a lot about polo. Um, I don't have it in my area. It's something I've always been interested in, but just haven't had the opportunity to expose myself to it. I'm really excited to talk to you about it. And I'd love to know how you got started with polo and what attracted you to it. Yeah, polo is a really interesting sport, um, but... I got started because my father was actually the best American polo player for like 10 years. And my mom also played polo. I'm third generation on both sides. So I was like born and they like plopped me on a horse. Uh, (laughs) It's an incredible sport. Like my parents never gave me any like pressure to play or, but they always said like, if you want a horse, like you have to be at the barn every day and you have to be feeding it and stuff. And I just can't really imagine my life without horses. Like I think anybody that has the opportunity to be around horses and um polo in my case it's like you're lucky and you should be grateful to be there i mean it's like these like soulful animals that can teach you so much about yourself and it's really kind of incredible absolutely was there like did you dabble in any other disciplines or was it polo right right from the start and then now currently do you also do any other disciplines as well so we in the summers we would spend it and my dad would play in wyoming um so we i actually like like a couple times like, we would like put like a western saddle on my polo ponies and like do some stuff like they taught us some roping and we did like some barrels uh, but that's the only other thing i've done besides polo it's good to have that diversification um and i can't really imagine like polo in a western saddle though i feel like that would get pretty sticky yeah, yeah. <laughs> the polo ponies like thankfully are pretty relaxed and they were like okay this is kind of weird but that's fine and we just like messed around yeah yeah absolutely okay so you started off playing polo um as a child and then describe your journey into becoming a professional polo player like was it um were you able to be exposed to some of that from your father or like how how did that all play out for you so i got to grow up like in the polo circuit and watching it happen and i traveled with my dad and my like my mom and dad traveled together so we traveled together and i got to watch it happen kind of like from you know the ground up uh but like my personal like development into the career was like you know i started off like playing like kids polo and like my dad would coach me and stuff until like at the age of like 14 i like went pro which like for polo that's like going pro is like when you start getting paid to play mm-hmm. and I, when I was 15, I represented the U.S. team in China. Um, and and that's kind of like what kind of kickstarted my career up until now. Like I won like 
20 over 20 USPA tournaments like one my favorite two of my favorites one was with um my all my so my brother my sister and my dad all on the same team and we won which is really cool that's so and, cool yeah, yeah yeah and my other favorite one like the probably like the pinnacle of my career thus far was uh, playing for the U.S. team in the World Cup and getting the silver medal, uh, like alongside my sister. My dad was the coach. So that was like the coolest that's, part. That's really cool. Now, going pro at 14, 15 seems very young to me. Is that a typical age or was that something that was, you know, maybe um, like something special? Yeah. So a lot of the pros will. Yeah. Like around that age, I guess like between 14 and 16 or 17 is like when you'll like get serious and start getting paid to play and stuff. And then like, you'll, you'll see kind of where your career goes from that. Like some people like, like it, they love the pressure and they like thrive and other people like they decide it's not for them. But yeah, like 14, 15, 16 is like when you'll start making money and taking it pretty seriously. Do you wish you could have a better partnership with your horse, but aren't sure where to start? Do you want to advance your riding or horsemanship, but don't have access to the ideal resources in your area? Does the idea of learning about horse training whenever and wherever, and at a price that won't break your horse bank, sound appealing to you? Check out wehorse.com to access over 175 online courses with top trainers from around the world. We have courses on everything from dressage to groundwork to show jumping to bodywork. And as a member, you get access to everything in our WeHorse library to watch whenever you want. Oh, and we also have an app, which means you can download a course or video to watch without Wi-Fi, which is perfect for those days at the prime when you want a quick dose of training inspiration before your ride. So what are you waiting for? Go to WeHorse.com and check out our free seven-day trial to access our WeHorse library and see if it's a good fit for you. We can't wait to see you in there. And now, back to the episode. Mm. Okay, I love that you mentioned the pressure aspect of it. I want to put like a pin in that and come back to that later, um, because that's definitely something I'd love to chat to you about. And one thing that we've been focusing on a lot recently, it seems like, um, with this podcast, is the idea of like equestrian wellness. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, more and more we're having the conversation now in the equestrian industry about how the horse is not the only athlete. We are the athlete. We have to train like an athlete with fitness and nutrition. Also the mental game, um, you know, uh, with getting in our heads and the perfectionism that seems to come with the sport. What is your daily training routine like? Um, because I'm sure you have to stay very fit as a polo player. So what, like take us through like a day um, in a training routine, maybe in the off season and then also in the on season. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you asked. I, so I think like one of the most important things and like, it's so interesting that you said that is like, uh, yeah, like the mindfulness and like the, you know, like almost like mental exercise to put yourself through to be an athlete. And I think for me, like that starts like at the very basics, like just being grateful for like being there. Cause like, I feel like you can get so nervous or like feel a lot of pressure that you just forget to be like, okay, I get to like, play polo on this like, incredible field like in like 75 degree weather like on this horse like doing what I love I'm like okay let's just like start there and that's been huge for me is like just kind of taking a moment to like really be present and grateful and that's like been the number one for me uh, I really learned this from my dad for like wellness and stuff was cool it's just so funny but he would spend like an hour before every game like 
playing the game in his mind before he went out on the field. Mm. And I really have, like, taken that and, like, try to – that's, like, one of my favorite things about, like, like – and you hear from other athletes as well, but it's, like, winning the game in your mind before you even step foot out there. And then, like, for a daily, like, training for, like, during season, I'll work out, like, depending on, like – it's tough because, like, my schedule changes with, like, games and – um, riding and stuff, but I'll work out at least four to five times a week, like a t- like a tough workout, even if I have practice um, in the morning or night. But I really have gotten like a shout out to my trainer this winter, uh, India Parker Chaka Wellness. But she has these um, workouts that are specific for equestrians, and it's like incredible how much that's changed my game because I've always been really disciplined about working out and stuff. But something that is like specific to like your weak points, like she'll watch you ride and she like kind of like watches the biomechanics of like what your body's doing and she's like okay like she told me that my lower abdomen was like a bit weaker and we worked really hard on that and i was like i've never felt more balanced on the horse mm. ever with her which has been incredible so i work with her like four or five times a week and then i really try hard like in the morning think of three things that i'm grateful for and at night like kind of go through my head like of like everything with the day but like not like in a non-judgmental way and then before a game i'll always spend time like on my breathing like really getting to a point where I'm like present and clear minded. And I think that's really important when you're playing because if you're not clear minded, like, you know, like horse sports can be dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that the horses appreciate, you know, you being centered and being conscious of your breath, because as we know, the horses pick up on that. So if if you come to them and you're like, okay, let's get going and and you have that state of high energy, the horses are going to feel that way. And and of course, you want the polo ponies to have the high energy, but but not in the negative way. Right. So one of the things that you mentioned about the playing the mental game in your head, uh, meaning that like you go over winning in your head ahead of time. And that is so smart and just something I want to circle back to, because I feel like if we're not conscious of doing it, sometimes we do the opposite and we go through the worst case scenarios and we start thinking about like, oh, my gosh, is is this done yet? did I remember to do this? Um, oh, well, I saw, you know, I'm kind of feeling this way or my horse is feeling this way. And you kind of go through the worst case scenarios and, and almost, you know, lose in your head. Um, so it's so important to be conscious of the idea of winning. So thinking of all the good things that could happen instead, totally. I think, I think that's yeah. such a, a key thing to, to focus on. No, you're so right. I think the brain always picks up on like what you're focused on. So if you're focused on the good things, like it's gonna, you're that's gonna happen. You know, I mean, I'm a firm believer of that, and I think that it's uh, worked thus far. So I'm gonna, uh, yeah, I love it. Absolutely, and and like you said too, the going through the, like the things that you're grateful for at the end of the day, same sort of thing. You know, again, we can think all the things that didn't go right in the day, and instead, it's like thinking of the things that did go right. Um, yeah. I think that's yeah, that's. Such good advice. So what's the most challenging aspect of playing polo at the professional level? Um, I'm sure there's lots of different things that come into play, but what do you find to be the most challenging and then how do you manage it? I think two things uh, come to mind. It's like, obviously there's like any sport um, question, not a question. It's a, there's like a lot of pressure that comes with playing sports at that level. And I think again, like just circling back that it's, I, thing that I the way that I manage it is like yeah just like reminding myself that I'm doing what I love and like how lucky I am to do that and the second part is like obviously the questions like our schedules can get like crazy like traveling to different places and I think that was like hard for me as like a young adult like 18 19 20 just like trying to like figure out where like my roots were and I think 
for me, what's really worked is like, you know, deciding that everybody's career is not the same. Like I, I get to decide how my life goes and like, like deciding to stay in one place most of the year so that I do have like sort of like that home and like grassroots, like sort of feel, um, which has helped me a lot. And it's, I think that it's important, especially now, like in the world we're living in, I think before it's like, there was like such a cookie cutter, like idea of like how to get from point A to point B. But now there's like everybody's journey is so different. I think like being able to remind yourself of that and like knowing that you're in charge of like how your life goes has like really helped me in my career as a professional athlete or professional bowl player. And I think it like other people are going to help them a lot to like understand that they're in charge of how their life goes and there's no set way of how to get and achieve your goals. Absolutely. Was there like a, a moment that was a turning point for you where you realized like, I, I want to do it this my own way. Um, you know, my life is allowed to look different. Totally. Like I just remember being, yeah, like 19 or 20, like traveling crazy for polo, like one month here, one month there, one month there, like all year. And I was like, this is too much. I was like, I, like, I cannot manage this. Mm. And it, uh, and then it was like, I mean, my mom and dad, but like my mom was like so like tender and like understanding. And she, I remember having a conversation with her about it. And she's like, you get to decide how, how your life goes. No one else. It's you. And it like, that was like kind of a moment where like it clicked for me. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And like from then on, I've like said no to opportunities. So I didn't feel like they that suited me. And, and in turn, I think better opportunities came up uh, for me and like how I wanted to like live my life and how I wanted to achieve my goals. Mm-hmm. So was there a point where like setting boundaries or learning to say no came into play as well? Because I think that's just something that's important, not only for athletes, but just like people in general is is realizing your boundaries. Totally. Realizing, yeah, what's not okay with me, what is okay with me. And I think like, yeah, once you really decide on that and you hold true to that, your like life changes. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's something that, you know, I think that we always need to come back to and remind ourselves of because it's easy to slip back into the negative habits and be like, no, this is something like no is a full sentence. <laughs> so, so can you discuss your favorite polo match? Like the one that really stands out in your mind that you think back to, and maybe it was what you referenced earlier about, you know, playing with your family. Um, yeah. But is there anything like, I mean, maybe it's that one, maybe there's another one, but what's something that really stands out in your mind with your career? Yeah, my, so I had two, like, yeah, that I mentioned earlier. One was like winning the, uh, like a tournament with all my family, my brother, my sister, and my dad, my mom was on the sidelines. And then I ended up getting most valuable players. Like that was like the best experience for me ever. Like we still all talk about it, like so fun. And then I um, most recently, yeah, playing on the US team in the World Cup, like along my sister and we were we had to play against Argentina, which was like the favorite team in the semifinals. And like, we like, I mean, obviously I think no one said we're going to lose it. Cause we all were like really positive, but it's like, we knew we weren't the favorite, but we're like, okay, well let's like, let's just like bring it to them. Like, like, no, like no one was like, we it's, I was actually so proud. Cause I don't know. Like I, in my, I'm a really positive person, but like I showed up to the tent almost expecting everybody to be like, like not super pumped. And everybody came in like with the same attitude, like, let's do this. Like, come on, like whatever the outcome, but we're going to do this. And my sister had to jump in because she was the alternate originally and she played and uh, we, we went and we played such a hard game and like we got and we were like winning the whole game and we like got to the end and we're like, we're going to do this. Like, we are going to do this. And we, uh, we ended up winning, which was incredible like, in overtime. So that means like when the game's tied and you have to do one more 
Schalke and it's sudden death. So whoever scores the first goal wins. Mm. And we ended up winning. And it was just like this, like, I can't even explain the feeling. Like, and everybody was there with the American flags and, like, That's cheering cool. and face painted. Like, I was like, I got so emotional. My sister was, like, laughing. Like, it was just, like, an incredible, incredible experience. Oh, I love that. The, um... I'm here in Canada, as I mentioned, and um, so obviously hockey is a big thing yeah, for yeah. us. And uh, it's currently the Stanley Cup playoff. Not the, necessarily the Stanley Cup, but the playoffs leading to the Stanley Cup. And my husband okay. gets so into it. And same <laughs> thing. He, like, stays up so late and cheers for his teams. And and it's something that I love, that energy. There's yeah. something about the crowd. There's something about the teams. There's something about – there's just an energy that's so infectious. So okay. it's uh, – okay. I, I love that no matter – matter what sport it is you know the the players yeah. the people in the stands everybody feels it totally i completely agree mm. so team dynamics you had mentioned about like for example in the tent there and you're thinking okay everybody's nobody's going to feel good about this and going in and realizing everybody felt so great about it and everybody was excited and you know you fed off that energy how important are team dynamics in the sport of polo for not only your like human teammates, but also your equine teammates, um, like communication, all of those things. So human teammates, it's like so important because I think a lot of times, you know, you like, you can train, train, train and like be like to the best of your ability. But if you're not a team player, it's like, doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it's a team sport and you can't win alone. I, so I think something that's really important is like being positive with your team and like kind of like getting that, like, camaraderie like a lot of time we'll hang out off the field and stuff to like kind of build that like repertoire um which i think is really important and yeah like positive talk and stuff because you know you'll be out there and you'll hear guys like not talking very well to your team to their team and stuff and it's like it's like there's just like there's no reason to like get your get your teammates down like it's the mm-hmm. only way to to like truly like flourish as a team is to build each other up um, which I think it's cool. Like the idea of playing on a team sport is like really interesting. Like you have to like depend on somebody else like to back you up, which I think is really cool. And then like, don't even get me started about like uh, partnering with horses. Like I can talk about <laughs> that for like hours and hours, but it's it's cool. And I think the the thing about polo that is interesting and other uh, equine sports as well is it's like you do so much time and preparation and like time spent in the barn, time spent in the saddle, like building that partnership with the horse that when you get to the field, it's like you guys are like working like well-oiled machine that you're like on and you know each other so well that you can really like, like deliver. Mm. Now, what are some of the things that you do to help build a bond with the horses specifically? Is there anything like outside of playing polo? Yeah, I spend a lot of time with that, like just when you that and stuff. I've gotten really into natural horsemanship um, recently. I guess not so recently, it's been like two years now, but I and like spending time instead of like building like a fear-based relationship where they feel like they have to do something like being like a leader to them so they want to do something like they want to follow you because like in horses minds like they like originally look at humans like a predator so if you can like instead like make them look at you as like a leader rather than something that they need to fear I think it builds a lot more trust like I think if a horse trusts you wants to do it because they trust you rather than something they're doing because they're scared of you is so important. So I really try and just spend as much time with them as possible and like play with them and build like a playful relationship rather than just a working relationship. Mm-hmm. Is there a special horse that comes to mind that, you know, whether it's in the past or the present that you really had a good relationship with? 
Yeah, one that it's like I like I've had favorites and stuff, but one that I have like an amazing relationship with is a young mayor of mine that she'll be like, yeah, she's I think she'll be the best person of her own, but she's now like this year while like push her into um like really intense and like high pressure tournaments. But uh, she was bred on our farm. She was born on our farm. Like her um, dad is a pretty well-known polo stallion, and her mom, my dad, played um, was actually a quarter horse. Like one of the only quarter horses that's ever played the U.S. Open. Um, <laughs> that's interesting. Like, what yeah, are the yeah. normal breeds? I don't even know. Like, what are the normal breeds yeah, of horses? So it's usually like like an American thoroughbred, or um, there's actually like in Argentina, there's like a polo breed, so it's called the Argentine polo horse. Okay, as a registered breed, um, and they're uh, it's cool they're really cool they're like they're like thoroughbreds but like maybe slightly smaller and slightly stronger like stronger i mean like thicker um mm-hmm. but they they're similar to thoroughbreds and so those are the two that um people use in polo but this mare like she's so cool because i had her since she was a baby and she's like a really like alpha personality but like i'll like w- like i'll whistle and she comes like running i'll just like hang out with her i'll just hop on her like with zero tack and like ride her around in the pasture and or it's just cool like she's always talking to me and stuff and like so then when I go on the field it's like I know she's got like full trust in me which is like a really cool sort of feeling to have mm-hmm. there's something about mares I have a, a mare and a gelding and I love my gelding's personality because he's just yeah. like that like goofy puppy dog but then my mare she's so like I love the grittiness I love yeah. like the there's just like that trust in the sense of like you're gonna go and get the job done, and I I love that feeling. Yeah, yeah there's something about a mare. So, <laughs> so in terms of the game of polo, what about like the spectators? So, um, you know, you'd mentioned like the the crowd atmosphere, everybody cheering, having their flags, things like that. But what are some aspects for maybe people that? aren't familiar with polo um, that you can explain that maybe will draw people into the sport and want to go, you know, watch or, or participate themselves. Uh, I think polo is quite interesting. I think a lot of people have like the, like, a, I don't know, like a skewed perspective of it. And like, I'm sure that you see it with like every question in sport that they think that it's like sort of this like fancy, like, I don't know, like pretty woman um, vibe. And in reality, it's like so much, more than that and it's kind of nothing like that i mean obviously there's like events that it makes it feel that way but you know like when you go and watch a polo game it's like these people have been like at the barn since god knows what time like and they've spent so much time like getting like being able to get to that point and so being able to like understand that is um i think the first step of like realizing how cool the sport is in my opinion and then the next thing is like if you like put in perspective that's basically hockey on like a thousand pound animal going to <laughs> It's also pretty cool to me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think if people took the time to like understand it, they'd find it as like entertaining and incredible as I do. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we can bring in even more of the fans. Like you had said, like hockey on a thousand pound animal. Like yeah, it's like, yeah, oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like a, a slogan to bring in people that aren't aware of it. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of, um, you know, bringing in more people in polo education and that. So you're now the operations manager at Reinhardt Polo. And mm-hmm. so what are some of the things that you are doing and and the, the whole team there is doing that? That is helping to bring in more polo education and you know the youth programs and that 
Yeah, I'm really excited to be working with them. They, it's like a, a really awesome organization that's like kind of dedicated to like the long-term betterment of the sport, which I find really exciting. Um, they, right now, we're working on like digitizing a lot of polo. So it's like obviously the question world is like slow to follow like the rest of the world's footsteps. But like now we're like developing a bunch of apps to like help the people's lives like be easier and connect the community more. And then we're also working on like a bill of rights, like a bill of rights for polo ponies that we want to make universal to um, all the organizations in polo around the world. Like all the governing bodies want them to implement this equine bill of rights just to like keep, I mean, all the rules in, in polo are made to like keep the rider and horse safe. But I think an equine bill of rights would be really beneficial and like just keeping like the animals we all hold so close and dear to our hearts, like safe and happy. And so those two things we're working really hard on right now. And then we're currently working on an event in Oxford, UK, to, like, continue to bring awareness to the sport. And like I was just saying, like, so that people, like, understand, like, what a cool sport it is and, like, like to better understand, like, what we're doing and stuff. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of the Equine Bill of Rights. That's that's so smart. And now what about inclusivity? Because you had mentioned and I know that there's a little bit of like a I don't want to say the word stigma, um, but like mm-hmm. a preconceived notion that I mean, as with any equestrian sport, people, um, you know, it, it is something that's seen as a little bit more like glitz and glamour. Yeah. Um, so what are some ways that, um, you know, we can make polo more inclusive so that people don't feel that they need to be at a certain whatever um, in order to attend? I, uh, so I think, yeah, and like, so like going back to what I was saying about it is it's because I think that like it's painted in that way. Interesting enough, I don't, I don't know who started it or what, but it's it's just not that. I mean, like, if you came to my barn and you saw, like, how I show up at the barn to, like, uh, hang out on my horses and stuff. But I think it's, like, just goes down to, like, reaching out to, if somebody wants to take a lesson, like, it's all about, like, well, it's about family and, like, inclusion and stuff. And so if you really did, like, want to come and take a lesson, the polo community is so welcoming and so, like, I don't know, like, there it's, like, a big family. Like, if you know one person in the polo world, like, you know everybody. And I think mm. that it's, I think that if somebody wants to get involved, like, so yeah, give me a call or anybody, but it's, it's just a, it's a cool sport and a cool world. And it, like people take the time to learn more about it. I think that they would like, I don't know, they love it as much as, as much as we do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's like the, um, like the equestrian meme that you see circling around social media, that it's like people's like expectation of what an equestrian looks like. And you yeah. see them there like modeling, like this like perfect yeah. outfit with this perfect horse. Yeah. And it's like equestrian reality. <laughs> and it's like, you're covered in dirt. And yeah. <laughs> At least that's my reality. Totally. <laughs> so what are some tips for um, young players aspiring to become professional polo players? So let's say they they have a league in their area. Um, they're they're getting started. They're taking some lessons or playing some games and they really think, OK, I want to I want to go further in this. What are some tips um, that people that, you, you know, you might want to give some people about how they can excel? I think the number one thing is to spend as much time doing it as possible. Like be in the saddle as much as possible, play as much as you possibly can and want it, like really want to be better. I think watching videos, like just immersing yourself in it is so important. And it really like people underestimate how much it can help you improve. It's just being there, being around it, being in the saddle, watching it, consuming it. 
is really, I think, the best way to improve quicker. Mm-hmm. And now going back to what, you know, I'm going to take the pin out of the thing I said I'm going to put a pin in at the beginning, which is the idea of the pressure of a, the professional athlete. So if somebody was to say, I want to become a professional polo player, A, what do you do to help to manage the pressure of being, you know, a like a, a professional player and then also somebody that's in the limelight? And then B, what do you recommend that other people do? Or maybe it, it all, you know, works together. I think, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it a lot, this interview, which I've loved because I love to talk about it. But like, yeah, the idea of like being present one. So it's like, like just starting off of being present, you're like, okay, I get I'm a professional polo player. I get to be around horses all the time. Secondly, like practicing like like gratefulness and gratitude and like just really like understanding like, you know, I think it just all goes back to when people forget it sometimes like when they when they are and when they've been playing a while or any sport, but it's like why you started. Like it's because you love it so much and you get to do this incredible sport and be around these incredible animals. And when you can really like understand that and be present and mindful and grateful for you know, the fact that we get to do that, not a lot of people do. It's, I think that's the way I handle the pressure the best. And that would be my advice to anybody else too, is like, just like understand like why you're like, remember why you're doing it, why you started. And yeah, I'd be grateful for what we get to do, which is mm. pretty incredible. Yeah. I'm, I, I absolutely love that. So many equestrians, specifically professional equestrians are speaking about that, mm-hmm. about you know, mindfulness and about like learning about yourself and doing the self work and and managing your mindset. Because I do think that so many of us put the horse's needs above our own Mm -hmm. and maybe we spend the money on supplements or, you know, whatever it may be, rather than, you know, taking the time to go to a class that can help to teach us about our breathing, you know, or something like that. And I think it's so important that, that people that others look up to, um, you know, as professionals are speaking about this. So I'm glad that you keep mentioning it. And, you know, and I hope that the conversation continues with the idea of mindfulness um, for equestrians. So let's talk about the fact of like breaking barriers. So you yourself are breaking barriers for the LGBTQ community um, as the first openly gay polo player um, for Team USA. And so how, first of all, how does that feel? Because I feel like it would feel really good. And then I also feel like it would feel like, man, like what, like why hasn't anybody else come forward or, you know, or, or something like that? Like to, to be the first, like, why, why aren't we talking about this more? So how does it feel? First of all? Uh, yeah, it feels amazing. Truthfully, I think like the reason why I'm doing it and like, I, I want to talk about it. It's like, you know, growing up, I think you always want to like look at somebody that's doing something to like go off of. And, you know, there was like plenty of pole players who off of, but I didn't see like so many like LGBTQ athletes, none in polo um, that were doing what I wanted to do. And I think it's like, for me now, I'm like, I, it's important for other people to be able to watch and be like, oh, look, I can do that. Like, if somebody who's like in the closet and doesn't want to come out because they're afraid of the backlash or somebody who just like is is living openly gay but doesn't see like a lot of professional athletes. And I mean, thankfully, a lot have come out now. Like, I think the first one that I remember was Gus Kenworthy coming out like after winning the silver medals in the winter um, like Olympics. And I thought that was so cool. I was like, wow, like he's doing it. And 
and that inspired me a lot. And I hope to be able to inspire like other people who are, who do want to do it and want to see somebody like them doing it. Cause I didn't, I didn't feel like I had that as a kid somebody that was like me that was doing what I wanted to do. And so that's been really important to me in my career. Mm. I'm currently doing like a manifestation program. And one of the things that it recommends is finding expanders. So yeah. Yeah. Looking for people. Yeah. Like looking for people that, okay, I want to do this. So I need to find somebody that's already doing it and then look up to them. And so it's kind of like they're doing it. If they can do it, I can do it. Totally. And so it's, it's kind of cool for you, you know, to consider, I mean, for me, I'm looking at you and I'm thinking you're an expander for people. And like, that's a really cool <laughs> thing. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a pretty cool feeling to have. I'm sure. Now, what is your hope for the future of polo sport and then just like the equestrian industry as a whole? Um, I really hope to see. Yeah, I mean, but it's already changing. Like people are becoming so mindful and they're creating like their own realities and lives around like what they uh, want the world of like their world to be like in, in like this incredible equestrian community that we have. And I think for the future of polo, I'd love to see it grow in like a more organic way in a better light like i want it to be inclusive i want people to come and watch and enjoy it and like understand the sport and i think that it's just something that's like really i don't know it's it's incredible to to think that like we've grown so much the community already and to i'm just so excited to see like where it goes and i'm excited to be a part of it mm. So we've been talking about polo exclusively here, and I want to switch a little bit to discuss your co-founded companies. So okay. you have um, Project Pampa and The Range. And what like inspired you or, or put that desire to become an entrepreneur? I, so my, again, like going back to like creating your own life, I always knew I wanted to have a business alongside of polo. And I, with the range, it's specifically like a real estate company that is like built around like opportunities in like conservation and more specifically the equestrian community because that's the world that I'm in and like all the contacts that I've made have been through there. But it's like, you know, sales, eco development, design and like hospitality all within that. It's a consulting group. So we're a consulting group that you'll come to us and be like, okay, I have this idea for this project. And we'll help you get there. So it's like whether you want to like create like an equestrian community that's like all eco-friendly, like we're there every step of the way, like between the builders, the sales, the design, and um, and go through that, which has been so fun for me. Like I've loved that, loved that. That's then, so cool. Yeah, yeah. And then Project Bamba was a, and it kind of just like popped into my lap, but a friend of mine that I'm at playing polo, Sorry, uh, can you can you say the word again? Because I like totally like Canadianized the word. <laughs> can you? you can say it however you want. Project Bampa, but you can say okay. it however you want. Like Bampa <laughs> are like the rolling hills in Argentina. But okay. uh, a friend of mine from Argentina that I met playing polo uh, messaged me about like we we've known each other for a while, and he was like, "Oh, I, like I have this company that I'm starting. Like I'd love you to be a part of it." And it's basically like. <laughs> sustainable furniture that we curate um, different designers in Argentina. And like the two like prerequisites we have is that it has to be sustainable and then it has to be like contemporary. And we curate a like a list of designers from different South American countries and bring over the collection here to the United States. 
And both of these partners that I have um, from both companies are people that I've met in Polo, that they're, they're equestrians, they're horse people, and they also like care about the environment and care about like making a difference. And like, that's just been a really, and that's another thing about that I'm sure you can agree with, Danielle, like the equestrian community is like the amazing people you meet is like, for me, like bar none. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think that's such a cool combination of, like you said, like equestrianism, eco-friendly sustainability. I, I think that's such a cool combination. Um, and I'm, I'm so excited for you. Thank you so much. I'm really excited as well. <laughs> so we have four WeHorse questions that we ask every okay. podcast guest, and they're just like a quick rapid fire. So okay. the first one is, do you have a motto or a favorite saying? I have a couple. I uh, honestly like, and most of them are like from Michael Jordan, but I, I mean, he's the yeah, goat, right? So it really is, it really <laughs> is. my one that I like will tell myself like before a game, I like just over and over and over is like some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen and others make it happen. Mm. Um, I love that. And then another one, and it just goes back to like what my dad like did is like, just, I remember watching an interview of his and it's just, winning the game before you're even step foot on the court. And I think that is like been probably like my favorite motto is probably some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. Others make it happen. But the most impactful has been winning the game before my foot, even such a touch his foot on the field. Mm, and I feel like you can apply those to so much more than, than a sport. You can apply oh. to everything in life. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. The second question is, who has been the most influential person in your equestrian journey? And I'm sure it's been your father, but so so maybe mention your father and then tell us about that. But then also if there's anybody else. Okay. Um, my father, for sure, is an <laughs> influential person. And he's just like, he's an, it's funny, like, he will, like, take his, like, dad hat off and, like, put, like, his coach hat on a lot. And that was, like, hard for me growing up. Like, cause I, I am so sensitive. So I'd be like, dad, like, why are you talking to me this way? And mm. it was just like, he wasn't going to treat me different than he would like anybody else, which I, I now, like, I like so many things that I look back and appreciate so much. Um, but yeah, he's incredible. Like number one, I looked up to him all growing up, like as like Superman. And then like now to be able to like coach me through things, it's just like kind of like something like I can't even describe. Mm. Uh, and then somebody else that, I, and it's like, it was terrible, but probably my mom is the other person that's been so influential. She's like, has an eye for horses that is like unbelievable. Like she's like can see a horse and know whether it's it like wants to pull out. It's maybe a good pull a horse, and she also gives like incredible advice. Like there's time, there's times in, in a game where I will like find her on the sidelines and ride to her for advice rather than like going back to the tent for like uh, my dad to coach or whoever to coach because like she's got like this like incredible like, eye and intuition and she's so supportive she's like helped my dad get to where my dad was in his career helped me like helped my siblings like it's um she's she's incredible all moms are incredible but like i my mom has really been an influential person i think that's so special that you know the the two people that have been so influential for you have been your parents like that that's just such a special thing so it's that's yeah that's really nice the third question is if you could give equestrians one piece of advice what would it be I think that if I give the questions one piece of advice, it would be to never throw your leg over the saddle in a bad mood. Because like, the horses can feel it, like, and it just turns worse. Like, I've always said to myself, like, since I was, like, after, like, going through adolescence, I was like, I, even if, if I'm having a terrible day and I'm not going to get out of it, which doesn't happen often, I, like, can 
pretty much always like make myself feel better. I won't get on a horse because I'm not going to ruin their day too. They're such like soulful animals. They can like hear a heartbeat from like five feet away. They, I, it's, it's not fair to them. It doesn't help anybody. And I really only want to like cultivate like positive environments for my horses. So I think that like, that would be my biggest piece of advice for an equestrian is like, to just like understand that your emotions, like your horses are feeling also. Love that. I was like internally clapping while you were just saying that. <laughs> Love that one. <laughs> and the final one is, please complete the sentence. For me, horses are. For me, horses are everything. They're inspirational. They're soulful. They're spiritual. They're emotional. And they're like, like the embodiment to me of like what my soul looks like. I mean, the horses, like I think you can learn so much more about yourself through a horse and for that I'm like eternally grateful to them oh I love that the embodiment of my soul I love that what a nice way to wrap this up I'm so grateful for you taking the time um, for this episode and I know people are going to get a lot from this and even if it's something as simple as hey I want to tune into the next polo match um, I'm I'm so happy that you were here and and sharing your light with us so thank you so much Augustine no thank you I really appreciate it Danielle Thank you for listening to this episode of the Equestrian Connection Podcast by WeHorse. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a rating and review, as well as share us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at WeHorse underscore USA and check out our free seven-day trial on WeHorse.com, where you can access over 175 courses with top trainers from around the world in a variety of topics and disciplines. Until next time, be kind to yourself, your horses, and others.